Thank you, band. Morning, everyone. Feeling a little bit emotional now. <laughs> Let me pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, that you are so kind and merciful to us in drawing us to yourself through your Son, the Lord Jesus. We also thank you that in your kindness you have given to us your word so that we may know you and uh, so that we might know how you want us to live. And so we ask now that by your spirit, you would teach us. Again, please keep us in the truth of your word. And we ask that this word might encourage us in our faith and uh, challenge us and change us uh, so that we might bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All of us feel like we want to belong, uh, don't we? Uh, I didn't feel like I belonged as a kid. Uh, I was the only Chinese kid in my class and everybody else was Aussie, Anglo-Saxon. There weren't other kids from other, national, other nationalities. And my two brothers and I were the only non-Anglo kids in the whole school. Wow. My kids never believed me, but that's what life was like uh, in those days. And, and, uh, and I always feel, felt left out. I had that stupid Chinese boy bowl haircut. And all the other Aussie kids had these cool crew cuts or whatever. Lunch. You know, sometimes my mum would give me fried rice or juk, you know, Chinese porridge. And if I had sandwiches, they'd be chassis sandwiches. Everyone else has Vegemite. I mean, the other kids would look at my food and go, yeah, what's that? <laughs> I felt like I didn't uh, belong. I can remember, you know, in primary school, we'd get a spelling test back. And my Aussie friends, you know, might get nine out of ten. And they're going, yeah, yeah, we're going to probably get, show my mum, we'll probably get McDonald's tonight. I get nine out of ten and I go, oh, no. <laughs> because when I get home, my mum will say, what did you get wrong? <laughs> they couldn't relate to how I felt getting nine out of ten. You know, my Aussie friends, you know, after school, they're out playing football practice, cricket practice, swimming practice. I've got piano practice. <laughs> and then more piano practice. And then what do you do on Saturday? Oh, I play football. I go to piano lessons. <laughs> I remember, which is a miracle in itself, my first sleepover in primary school, which was for a birthday party. And I remember getting there and... Um, uh, and we go into the house, and no one takes their shoes off. <laughs> I can't walk into a house without taking my shoes off. It just felt so weird. I had all that Asian guilt thing coming on to me. <laughs> do I walk in? Do I not walk in? No one's taking their shoes off. Anyway, eventually, I took my shoes off. <laughs> no one, they go, what are you doing? I'm taking my shoes off. I'm walking into a house. And then it's a pool party. It's a pool party, so kids, then they take their shoes off and they're running in and out of the house in their bare feet, Richard, in their bare feet, running inside, outside. So, you know, they're all inside, we're mucking around on my shoes off, we go outside, muck around, I go out, put my shoes on, put my shoes on. <laughs> By that time, they run back in the house, I'm going to take my shoes off, take my shoes <laughs> I didn't belong, I didn't belong. And then, you know, sleepover time comes. And then, you know, all the other kids, they all just get out their sleeping bags 
And then they get in their sleeping bags to go to sleep. No one has a shower. You can't. Chinese, you can't go to sleep without a shower, yeah? And then when you come out of the shower, you put your slippers on. No one else has got slippers on me. I've got slippers. But my soft, pillowy, delicate feet. It's tough. I did not belong. All I wanted to do was be the same as everybody else. When I, was, when I grew up into high school, into my teenage years, it, it wasn't much different. I still did not belong. I'm ABC, Australian-born Chinese. All the Chinese say, you're not Chinese. You're Aussie. <laughs> All the Aussies say, you're not Aussie. You're Chinese. Look at you. We all want to belong, don't we? We just want to be in. And why? Well, because we all know what it feels like to be left out. Don't we? In different ways. But we all know what it's like to be excluded. We've all experienced it. It might just be in a conversation that you're standing there, but you're not part of. Uh, it might be that pang of hurt when you find out about a party that you weren't invited to. You're on the outside of in-jokes. You don't get them because you're not in. You might just simply not be in the in-crowd, whatever that is. You might be old when everybody's young or young when everybody's old. You might be single when everybody else is married. I was talking to some people from a night church, at, uh, actually at, at my church, in the night church, who were married and they felt really left out because no one else was married in that, that service. You could be poor when everyone's rich. Uh, you could just be a cultural uh, minority. We all know what it feels like to be left out in some way, don't we? And, and we don't like it. It hurts. And you know, that's just with people. Imagine when it comes to God. If God said to you, you do not belong. Imagine that. You know, there was a time when that was actually true of us. And this passage today uh, addresses that. Let's turn to it, Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Now, the Gentiles here uh, is just everyone who wasn't Jewish. Uh, which is kind of almost everyone here, <laughs> apart from there's at least one, I think. <laughs> I don't know if there are others. Uh, but Gentiles then weren't one race of people. Gentiles were all races of people who were not from the Jewish race. And so, apart from one of us, I think, I mean, we're all Gentiles. The Jewish, uh, sorry, whether you're Chinese or Assyrian or Vietnamese or Swedish or Aussie or English or Irish or whatever, we are all Gentiles. And it calls the Gentiles the uncircumcised, which was the Old Testament custom of circumcising Jews. 
as a physical sign that they were different from the Gentiles. But that's not, what it, that's not all it meant. What else did it mean to be a Gentile? Look at verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. In other words, Paul, the apostle who wrote this, is saying, if you're a Gentile, you did not belong. As a Gentile, you're separate from Christ. You don't belong. You had no relationship with him. We were not citizens of God's people, the Jews. You did not belong. We were foreigners to the promises, uh, promise God made to his people, the Jews. Do not belong. You were excluded without hope and without God. There aren't too many other ways you could tell someone that they don't belong, are there? That, however, was the past. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So as Gentiles who did not belong, who were far away from God, we were brought near through the blood of Jesus. Now, uh, being brought near here is not just about being brought near to God. It's also being brought near to the Jews, God's Old Testament people with whom Gentiles had no belonging with. Look at verse 14. For he, Jesus Christ, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So uh, that, that uh, in verse 14 where it says, our peace, who has made the two one, that's not actually referring to peace between God and us. Uh, that's talking about peace. The, the two here, he's talking about peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles hated each other, pretty much. There was this dividing wall of hostility, verse 14. This wall was the law, referred to in verse 15, the Old Testament law. Jews had it, Gentiles did not. Hence, separation. Well, Jesus abolished that law in his flesh. That is, Jesus made the law no longer relevant as the way a person related to God in terms of salvation. And uh, so Jesus brought them together, Jew and Gentile. He brought them together in the sense that there was no difference in how they related to God or could come to God. Reason, verse 15. By setting aside in his face the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, 
to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So the reason is that Jesus wanted Jews and Gentiles to be one and that as one they are reconciled to God through his death on the cross. That is what flesh in verse 15 refers to as well. That is all people, Jew and Gentile, are saved the same way. That's what it's saying. Through the death of Jesus on the cross for their sins. So there's no reason for hostility. There's no reason for separation between Jew and Gentile or any other race because Gentiles are all other races. All are saved the same way through Jesus. Further, not only are all saved the same way, but as a consequence, all are to be one as God's people. So look at verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Remember, they were in verse 12 and 13. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. Remember, they weren't citizens in 12, 13. Fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see all the together language there? Or the unified language, no longer foreigners and aliens, uh, your fellow citizens, verse 21, the whole building joined together, 22, uh, uh, 21, whole building joined together, 22, being built together. The idea is that all races, Jew and Gentiles, so that covers everybody, are one in Christ. That is God's intention. That is a consequence, verse 19, that is the consequence of the gospel. It breaks down any and every barrier between races. That is, we are all the same before God and therefore before each other. Jew and Gentile. All races together make up the church, the body of Christ. And that was always God's plan. If you just come with me to chapter 3 of Ephesians, I just want to read a couple of verses of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4 says, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is 
that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So all nations through the gospel are heirs together, members together of one body, sharers together in the promises of Jesus. There is no cultural distinction in Christ and in the gospel. And you know what God's intent was in bringing all the Jew and the Gentiles together in Christ? This was God's intent. Look at verse 10 of chapter 3, verse 10. His, that's God, his intent was that now through the church, the all nations church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's, in, God's purpose is that his manifold wisdom, his manifold wisdom would be displayed. It would be made known in the heavenly realms. And the church, the church which he has just explained to us in chapter 2 and, and 3, the church of all nations, all saved through Jesus, that displays his glorious wisdom. And that is the purpose of God. It's not churches of one nation or one age group or one demographic that displays the glorious manifold wisdom of God? No. What displays it is the church of Gentiles and Jews together. And that's when the heavenly realms say, isn't he wise? Isn't God glorious? Now this should come as no surprise that it is the all nations church that God eternally had purposed. Right, right back in Genesis chapter 12, when God gives those great promises to Abraham, God says to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. Yeah. In that great vision in Isaiah uh, chapters, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, that vision of the last days, the vision is of all nations. If you read Isaiah 2, it is all nations streaming to the Lord's temple at Jerusalem, which is ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read John 2, God's church is his people from all nations. This was his plan right from the beginning. And of course, there's that wonderful, wonderful picture of Revelation 7. Uh, 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 is one of my favourite chapters or verses of the Bible. Revelation 7. Let me just read to you verse 9. After this, I, verse 9 and 10. After this, I looked 
And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Magnificent, is that not? This is a picture of church in heaven. Revelation 7. It's a multitude there that no one can count. And they are from every nation, tribe, people and language, all nations. And this is church because like all churches we've seen, they all stand together before God to hear him speak. But notice as I read that, yes, they are all from different nations and you can tell they're from different nations, but they're all wearing the same thing. Notice that? They are all wearing white robes. So we all look different up there, but we all look the same. Why are they all wearing white robes? Well, it's because they are all saved the same way. I'm just going to read to you verses 13 and 14 of Revelation 7. One of the elders, remember, this is a vision to John. One of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are all wearing white robes because they have all been washed or cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So it's no wonder then, if that's the heavenly ultimate picture of heaven, that Jesus commands his disciples and commands the church in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus' command to reach all nations is not just because the gospel is for all nations, but the church is for all nations. From any and every nation, tribe, people and language, all belong. All belong in Jesus. All belong in the gospel. All belong in the church. My question to you, CPC, is this. So where are they? Where are they? Let's talk about what this means for us. If this is the reality of church and the gospel. What does it mean? Well, it means that nationality 
no longer essentially matters amongst Christians. I am not saying it's unimportant. No. But when it comes to Christian unity, when it comes to Christian fellowship and caring and loving and sharing and serving and reading the Bible together and praying together, having brothers and sisters in Christ in our homes, when it comes to church, it is irrelevant. Christ has brought us together as one and he is bigger than any of our nations. My question to you is when people walk through the door of your building and see your church, will they think that nationality and culture does not matter? Will they see just one or two cultures mainly? Will they see cliques or groupings of cultures? And what if they are not one of those? Are you as a church, are you as an individual concerned for the nations? If so, how? May I suggest a few things? <laughs> One, be a church for all nations so you can grow a church for all nations. Be a church for all nations so you can grow a church for all nations and... Grow a church for all nations so you will be a church of all nations. What do I mean? Well, to be a church for all nations means to look at how you, how you do church, how you do your gathering, how you do your assembling, how you interact, who you interact with the activities you do, how you speak. Is it suitable? Is it welcoming? No matter what nation someone is from. You know, in your LGA, uh, back at Chatswood, in your LGA, you have Chinese, English, Australian, Irish, Scottish, Italian, Armenian, German, Korean, Indian, Japanese. They're the first 10 in terms of nationality. But in fact, in your LGA, you have 83 nationalities. Where are they? Now, of course... I'm just making a point there, but churches these days, they actually mainly draw from the relationships of people in the congregation, not so much locality and 
you know, close distance from church. Some of you have come because the church is close, but most of you have come because of someone you knew in the church. Some of you drive a long way. Some of you drive past 5, 10, 20 churches to get to CPC. So I'm not just talking about your locality. I'm talking about everyone you know from every sphere of your life you know. And it is my guess that with this number of people in this room collectively, this room probably, probably knows someone from nearly every nation on earth. Where are they? And if they come, will they feel like they belong? In other words, when you get together as God's people, are you a church for all? What might that look like? Just two examples. These are just examples of the principle. Morning tea or supper after church. You know, it can be as simple, and you may already do this, but I'll just put it out there. It could be as simple as having on your morning tea or your supper table spring rolls and cannoli and baklava and sushi. Not the same. <laughs> and mini pies and sausage rolls. You see what I'm saying? Fruit from, food from the nations. Let me tell you this. Your morning tea table tells you what you value as a church. It does. In my role as a bishop, now I travel around to different churches all the time. I might visit 30 churches a year. Your morning tea table tells you what you value as a church. Volume says stay, eat, let's talk, let's hang out, let's get to know each other. Or your volume can say, I want to spend as much time with you as it takes to eat this biscuit, if there are any left by the time I get there. See what I'm saying? But also, never underestimate what it means for an Italian. You got any Italians? <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Carmelina, and she will. <laughs> never underestimate it, what, it, what it says to an Italian to see cannoli on the morning tea table. Never underestimate what it means to an Armenian or a Middle Easterner to see baklava on a morning tea table. Do you understand what I'm saying? When they see that, when they turn up in your church and they see that at morning tea, it says, we see you, we love you, we welcome you, you belong. Now, of course, you can't just let them eat their baklava and not talk to them. You know what I'm saying, though, don't you? Second example, 
Will you hug? Will you hug? Many of you are looking horrified. <laughs> most non-Asian and most non-Anglo cultures are hugging cultures. They are. If any of those non-Anglo, non-Asian cultures come to your church, will you give them the Asian hug? You know the Asian hug. <laughs> or will you give them the Aussie hug? You know the Aussie hug. <laughs> you know, uh, if you do that, and that's the culture of the Asian or Aussie hug, you know, uh, that's not good enough, can I say? It's not good enough for Christians. I had to learn to hug, I'll be honest. Uh, I grew up Asian, and like I've demonstrated, Asians do not hug. It was very weird and uncomfortable uh, for me for years. Our church, when we started our church, it grew with Middle Easterners and Mediterraneans and South Americans, and I had to learn how to hug. That sounds weird, but it took me years, years to get comfortable with it. But if you don't hug them, because they're just going to hug you anyway. <laughs> you just can't stand there and go, hug me. You just, you cannot do it. You just can't. You've got to learn to hug so they feel loved, so they feel welcome, so they feel like they belong. Now, I have said to our huggy brothers and sisters, I had to say to them, look, you sometimes need to tone it down for the Asians as well until they get used to it. You know, I did institute a hug an Asian Sunday, but anyway, that's another... <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> but do you, do you get what I'm saying? You've got to be a church for all nations. So when people from other nations come they will stay so that you will grow a church of all nations. Do you see what I mean? And then, of course, as you grow a church for all nations, you will be a church of all nations. That is the church that God intended and had eternally purposed. And that is the church in which the manifold wisdom of God is made known. In terms of growing a church of all nations then, how are you sharing Jesus with people from 
other nations, whether it's in your locality or whether it's in your, you know, at the, at the school gate, at a playgroup, uh, at, at your work, on the train station. I had a guy at my church that would just walk up to people on the station and say, I'm going to church, you want to come? People came. Weird. Anyway, they did. <laughs> Can I ask how much quality time, okay, how much quality time do you spend, time that you choose, with someone of a very different culture to you? I'm not saying don't share the gospel with people from your own nation. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying we don't do that exclusively, not in Sydney anymore. The nations are all here. And the command to go and make disciples of all nations is for all of us. Be missionaries, brothers and sisters, in your own backyard. People may have come to Australia for a better life, but God has brought them here to hear the gospel. And who do you think God wants them to hear the gospel from? If he wanted them to hear the gospel from someone else, they'd be somewhere else. Get to know people from, the other, from other nations that are around you. Learn about their culture. Listen, watch them and work out how to connect with them in a way that they feel comfortable. Best way to do that is to eat with them, you know. That's fantastic. Eat their food with them, then share Jesus. But we also want to grow the heavenly church, don't we? We talked about that yesterday. If I may, heavenly church, if I may put it like that, the church of Hebrews 12, the church of Revelation 7. Go be a missionary outside of here. Can I challenge you? With that too? You know, I think people who are in churches that have an eye to and a heart for uh, the nations, and I think this is one of those churches actually, they often find cross-cultural ministry just that little bit less of a leap because they're used to it at church. Now, that's not the only reason, of course, to be an overseas missionary, but it's a pretty good start. Who of you will leave? Who of you will leave to share the gospel and grow God's church somewhere else in the world? Because some of you should. Who will it be? Be a church of all nations so we can grow a church of all nations. Grow a church of all nations so you will be a church of all nations. So that you will be the church God intended, the body of Christ, where everyone not only does belong, but they feel like they belong too. For what makes us belong is far more important than what makes us different. So whilst Chinese may call me Aussie and Aussie may, Aussies may call me Chinese, what's important is that God calls me son. And we all call each other brother and sister. Let me pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us one in Christ. From every nation and from every circumstance. 
Father, help us to reflect with each other what you have made us, united in Christ. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.